Yeah. Let us pray. Precious Father, I want to thank you again for this gathering tonight. We have prayed about it. We know you answered us. So we just start with thanking you. We are full of expectations that what we ask for is what you will manifest among us. To you be all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> so, like we said, this is just to remind us to pray. And so they will go to scripture and then study and see what the scripture teaches us about prayer. And so what I'm going to talk about tonight is the word of God and prayers. The word of God and prayers. And that takes it John 15, 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. What a definite promise by our Lord Jesus Christ. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, they shall be done unto you. But learning to pray though, the Bible is our book of instruction. And so we must rely on its teachings to learn about prayer and about life. And we shouldn't be following popular practices, which is what a lot of people do because they don't have time to study scriptures. They don't have time to judge things. They, they, they just don't care. But that's a dangerous thing to do because you can imbibe wrong doctrine, and that's how wrong doctrine has been perpetuated, that it's so bad that majority of people just do what others do. They just do what others do, and they think because... People are doing it. That's right. Numbers does not, uh, does not prove that something is right. Numbers is not proof that what you are doing is right. It does not prove it. That a lot of people are doing it and they've been doing it for years does not mean it is right. It doesn't. There are a lot of things that people are doing. A lot of people are doing that's wrong. But that's what happens even in our spiritual life, Christian lives. And like I said, it's, you owe it to yourself to make sure that what you're doing is what the Bible teaches. The Bible, the Bible, the Bible, the Bible is the authority. God exalted the word, his word above all his name. We cannot exalt a human being above the word of God. What God has said, you can't lift a human being above what God says. That's human worship. That's idol worship. So we must go to the scriptures to learn. It's given to us for instruction, for, for doctrine, you know, for, the, for everything. So if we want to know about um, prayers, we should go to scriptures and learn. And unfortunately, pray, as important as prayers is, you don't know how many Christians who have taken time on their own to even study about prayer. So let me see how prayer works and make sure that I'm doing it right because you must be interested in getting answers, though. You must be. So let's start by saying, what is prayer? What does the Bible tell us that is prayer? Prayer, we all say, is communing with God. We all say that it's a two-way communication. So we set our time to pray in our closet sometimes, we set our time to pray in our closet, and then we pray in a congregation. Now, what we don't do, though, is that we don't really 
way to know what God is telling us. We always say, oh, prayer is two-way communication. But how many Christians really operate that way? Is it not that we talk, 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 talk? Talk, talk, and talk some more. And go away. But when you ask an average prayer, what is prayer? It's two-way communication. So when you have, what, what did God tell you? They have no idea. But look at Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1. He said, I will stand like a guard and watch. What are you watching for? I will wait to see what the Lord will say to me. I will wait and learn how he answers my questions. It takes waiting. It takes watching. It takes listening throughout the day. You are listening. You ask him questions. You've spoken to him. You know, you are still listening. I say, Lord, I spoke this to you. I have not heard from you about it. You know, it, it takes being in your place of watch. Because it's important for you to hear what he has to say. Don't just talk into the thin air and then you go. That's how many people don't get answers. Because your faith for answer comes from what he tells you. Is that thing he tells you that creates the faith in you to expect it to happen? But if you haven't heard from him, you're going to be confused. You don't have his word at all in you. That's why Jesus is saying, if my word abides in you. It's not the word that is in the Bible. It's the one that has come out of the Bible and is now in you. We're going to talk more about it. So we need to also emphasize that this communion with the Holy Spirit is the key to being led of the Holy Spirit and walking in the power of God. That's the key. The key to walking in the power of God, the key to being led of the Holy Spirit, is your constant communion with the Spirit of God for direction, for instruction. That's the key to walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. If you think that prayer is the key and you just rattle what you like, but through, during the day you don't care what God wants you to do, you're out, you out of order. You're seriously out of order. And your experience will teach you that you'll be powerless. So as we live our lives daily, having prayed in the closet, we are engaged with life. We should be talking to the Spirit of God as we live our lives. We should be asking him questions. What do I do here? What do you want me to do here? You should recognize his presence. You should honor his presence. And when you begin to do that, it will checkmate some of the things we do. We should, be, we should engage him because, listen to me, he's your coach. He's your life coach to coach you what to do. He's your helper. He's the one sent to help you. He's your wisdom. He's your strength. He's God with you. You can't neglect him. He's your life coach. He coaches you. The alternative in neglecting him is a recipe for failure. Because then you begin to depend on your wisdom and your ability and your anger, your emotions, and what people tell you, friends tell you about junk. And you play right into the hand of the devil. That's, 
I, I, I always believe that the devil, some things we do, the, the devil is baffled. It's like, are you serious? <laughs> These people are children of God. How can they give me this opportunity to get into their life? Because when you discount God in your life, what you've done is you've opened the door to the enemy of your soul to move right in. You're giving him Christmas gift. He's been waiting. He's been wanting to. He is determined to wreck your life. But here, you engage in life. You discount God. You neglect God. You forget. The Bible says all nations that forget God, they run into trouble. You have forgotten him. Your decisions are based on what you want to do. I tell Christians, don't do things because you can do them. It's dangerous. Don't. If you start stop behaving like that, the devil knows that's what to do. He will trick you to one, one, more, one thing you will do that wreck your life. Don't do things because you can't do them. You don't have ability to do anything on your own. So this communion with the Spirit of God is very, very critical. Brethren, it is key to walking in power and walking being led of the Spirit of God. It is the key to success in life. You will have victory. You, you will, I spent two hours talking with one of our youths. How this thing, he has keyed into this and how his life has been revolutionized. He was sharing with me testimonies upon testimonies. Oh, he said, Pastor, that teaching, that thing is true. He said, I started to do that. How he was on the brink and by instruction of the Holy Spirit, those he never knew existed, but he, God led him to them. This is key, people. And so Paul will, will say to the church, may the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you. We should understand why he's saying that. Have communion with the Holy Spirit all the time. Let it be with you. The grace of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit. Let it be with you all the time. Communion, communion, communion of the Holy Spirit. Second Corinthians 13, 14. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all, with all of you. I want all of you to have that communion with the Holy Spirit. All of you. That's a form of prayer. Though. Because now you are communing with, what do you mean you're talking with God? And that's the first Thessalonians 5.17. Pray with us. Is, that's what it means. Keep communing with him. Don't disregard him. Don't, never develop that. You will see Awesome stuff. You, you, I think our brother was sharing with us Wednesday how he wanted you know, people in his group. He couldn't get them in the church after service. And they were giving, and the Spirit said, don't act on your own. Don't. And when he turned it over to the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God led him to the willing people he has prepared he didn't know. He prepared those people, got them ready, but he didn't know. So when he started talking to them, they were all eager to do, and then they had the, the meeting they had was awesome. But the, the initial response was, these people were not willing. So the natural response is to get discouraged and say, oh, nobody. Say, no, 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 no. That's what we do. We respond to things with our own natural inclination, you know, with what we see. And the, that's not how Christians live their lives. But the Spirit of God said, no, don't engage your mind, your wisdom here. It's my work. Trust me with it. 
and he did. And God immediately revived. People he never, never didn't even know they, they were willing to do anything. He led them to them because he made, he's the one that makes people willing. Our Lord Jesus always lived in communion with the Father. Our example. John 5, 19. So Jesus answered them by saying, I'm reading Amplified Version. I assure you most solemnly, I tell you, the son is able to do nothing of himself. Can we agree on this for all of, all of us? So what's, what's the point engaging things? You can do nothing of yourself. I can't I can preach. I can't. I can't do anything. So why engage my, my so-called human wisdom? Why gather friends, tell me what to do? Why, engage, why do that? He said, I assure you, most solemnly, I tell you, the son, the son is able to do nothing of himself, of his own accord. But, so what does he do? He's able to do only what he sees the father do. <laughs> only, all I do is what my father shows me, instructs me to do. Isn't that the way we should live our life? That's kind of communion, continuous communion. For whatever the father does is what the son does in the same way. Shouldn't that be our testimony? That what I'm doing is what instructed. Some people came today to see us here and they lost it to me. Tell them to put it in right. I say, yeah, that's what they do. Say they should put it in right. And they told me who they are and the spirit behind them. <laughs> I didn't know. I know I made them. They said, this is the spirit behind them. You know, you don't know, you don't, you don't know anything about this world at all. You don't even know the trap the devil is setting for you that look good. You, do, you have no idea. He's able to do only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does is what the son does in the same way in his turn. 20. The father clearly, dearly loves the son and discloses to, shows him everything that he himself does. And he will disclose to him, let him see greater things yet than these. So you may marvel and be full of wonder and astonishment because that's my father doing all of this stuff, not me. John 8, 38. TPT. Yet the truths I speak, listen to this, it's amazing. The truths I speak, I have seen and received in my father's presence. I commune with him. I receive it in my father's presence. But you are doing what you learn from your own father. You listen to the world. Listen to your mind. Listen to your wisdom. Listen to whoever. But the only place you should listen, no. He said, what I say is what I hear in my father's presence. When I go, I commune with him. That's, that's living in his presence. I commune with him. So what he tells me to tell you is what I say. I don't add anything. I cannot do anything of my own. I don't have anything to tell you on anything except what he says. 
John 12, 49. TPT. For I am not speaking as someone who is self-appointed, but I speak by the authority of the Father himself who sent me and who instructed me and what to say. He instructs me what to say. So you're not, he's not going to engage with you <laughs> unless the Lord tells him to tell you. Whatever God says to tell you, once he finishes that, boom. I know that the Father's commands results in eternal life. And that's why I speak the, the very words I've heard him speak. It's only his word that has power. I can't speak anything. I don't know why we argue. It, look, if, if, if God gives you wisdom and you share with somebody, they, want, they, want, they don't want to hear. You've done your job. Seal your mouth. Get out. Just get out. Unless he gives you more. If he doesn't give you more, keep quiet. In this communion with the Holy Spirit, we are not telling him what we want him to come and do to us or for us. Asking him, you know, telling him people to kill, to kill their neighbors. That's not, it's not what it's about. We are not leading him. That's the mistake a lot of people do. They have all their fancy plans and all their fancy imaginations, and they ask him to come and execute it. He will never near that. Never. N-E-V-A-R. Never. God will never be led by a man. It's not possible. <clears throat> if he didn't start anything, he's not finishing it. He's the Alpha. He's the Omega. The everything bit. If you start it, you finish it. This is the question we should be asking. I'm talking about prayer because this is continuous communion with him. This is continuous communion. With him. Why? My life depends on him. Now. Your life depends on him. Acts 9.6. And he trembling and astonished. Well, we should, be, we should also be honoring him. He trembling. And he trembling as the sonny said, Lord, what would thou have me to do? That's how this communion should go. That's Jesus saying, well, he shows me what I do. What he tells me. I, I don't go in there and tell him, Father, come and do it. No, it's what he says. Because God has all knowledge, all understanding, all wisdom. He sees it before you were born. He understands everything about everybody. He knows the way out. He knows the route out. He said, I'll make a way of escape for you now. He didn't say, you come and tell me I've made the way of escape. You come and do it. No. We do things like that. And wonder why our prayers are working. You know, we come to a service to say, Holy Spirit, take over. He's not taking over. When you, you, you're taking your life out of his hand, and then you want him to come and do show, you're taking your life out of his hand. You don't listen to him. He doesn't direct you. He doesn't instruct you. You don't have time for him. Then because you want power now, you say, Holy Spirit, take over. It doesn't work like that. <laughs> He's not the human. 
The Bible says when a man purges himself, he becomes a vessel for special actions. If you, if you yield himself, yourself to him, if he wants to do so, he will instruct you, I want to take over this thing. Then you say it. But you are not used to him giving you instruction all of a sudden because you, you want to anoint, <laughs> take over. And that's what they do. Sometimes the demons come and help them out. This is the key to having divine guidance, everybody. In every area of your life. Oh, Proverbs 3.5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, not some. And lean not unto your own understanding. Our understanding is so attractive. You, time is going. Time is going. <laughs> Who created you and time? Who has your life in his hand? Who? He knows where you are going. Who? I should be this. Who? I should be that. Who created you? Who says I have a plan for you? Is that part of the plan? Lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways, not some. Acknowledging. Communion. Lord, I don't know what to do. What will you have me do? What do you want to, what do you want to do here? I'm not saying anything. Unless you tell me what to say. If you don't say anything, I'm not saying pop. Because only your word has power. I can of my own do nothing. Nothing is spelled N-O-T-H-I-N-G. Zero. Can we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God and say, Lord, I can't do anything? You know, pride is, I can't do it. Humility is, I can't. That's what God was telling Paul. He said, my power is made manifest in your weakness. When you say, I cannot, I show up. But if you can, I'll let you go ahead. When in all your ways acknowledge him, he shall now direct your path. But not when we have not acknowledged him. We need to. Because <laughs> that's when he does that. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from this evil of pomposity and pride and that. You know, I know who I am. One time the Lord said to me, he said, he said, go to all your leaders and apologize to them. All of them. I mean, he said, all of them. Because there was this appointment they made. And I said to myself, I said, this guy has never pastored their church. He doesn't know anything about pastors. His, his, all his churches, his pastor never made it. How can he now be appointed to this office? If I would think, and the Lord said, I chose her. <laughs> I'm not kidding. He said, I chose her. And I want you to go to her and pledge your, you have to go and pledge your loyalty to her. He said, if you don't do that, your ministry comes to stretch it out. You have to go and pledge your allegiance to her. I choose her. He said, and not only her, all your leaders. I went. I went. He said to me, he said, when you go for your pastor's meeting, when do you leave? I said, I leave when I like. He said, when does she leave? I said, she stayed to the end. He said, I'm looking for a faithful person. You do what you like, she doesn't. 
I'm not kidding. He said, you do what you like. She doesn't. She stays to the end. You go where you like. That's not called faithfulness. He said, you know she's a white woman. I said, yeah. He said, but she, she's married to a black man. And she keeps having, carry, he said, don't you see how she treats the husband? Carry children. He said, that woman has a heart of a child. I'm looking for such people. I went to her, I said, I called her name, I said, I came to tell you, thank God that God, God put you here. I came to pledge my loyalty to you. I will serve under you, anything you say. I said, Pastor Chini, do wow, it's okay, praise God. I went to all our leaders, apologizing to them, to whatever. And then my boss took me by the hand, took me to one corner. I said, Pastor Chini, this is why God promotes people, this is your day. It wasn't long. God gave us this duty. You see, he knows what he wants to do. He knows what you are doing that is blocking you. If you, learn to, if you learn to let him guide you, he will guide you out of the traps of the enemy. All of it. And frustration, you, the days of frustration are over. Completely, totally over. You'll be, no, no matter what you are, because you know what he's doing, you just relax and sleep. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Acknowledge him. Then he starts guiding. The number two point I want to make here is, we just talked about prayer, communion with God, to, you know, two-way communication. And I said, it's not just limited to one spot. It's our way of living. It's our way of living. We come in with the Holy Spirit all the time. Asking, what do you want me to do here? How do you want to handle this? What do you want me to do here? You know, acknowledging him. So he's directing you. That's how to live under his power. Your life will be a wonder. That's how he will show you greater, mighty things you don't know. So, <clears throat> number two is that the scripture says in James 1 verse 6, but let him ask in faith. So we should pray prayer of faith. Let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think he shall receive anything from the Lord. We know this scripture very well. And this scripture is saying we must pray in faith if we expect to receive anything of the Lord. There has to be need for us to pray in faith. The question is, how do I pray in faith? What is asking in faith? Well, like we said, the scripture teaches us that. Mark eleven twenty three. Then Jesus said to his disciples, have faith in God. Have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. Then he takes it to prayer. He takes this statement to prayer, to teach us how to pray prayer of it. That you must believe in what you're saying will happen. He said, if you come to prayer and practice the same thing, it will happen. So in verse 24, he said, I tell you, you can pray for anything. If you believe that you have received it, it will be yours. He just propounded how to pray prayer of it. It's when you... When you say, if you say something and believe that this is going, going to manifest, say it will work. He said, if you, he said, I'm not telling you. 
that if you come to prayer, if you pray, and also believe that your word will manifest. So you have received whatever, you receive it. It's, it's, yours, it's all yours. You have to first of all believe that you have received it, that you have received it, not going to receive it. Then it will show up. Let me read it again. Mark 11, 20, 23. I tell you the truth. If you can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown to the sea, and it will, it says, and it will happen. But you must really, if you say it, it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen. And have no doubt in your heart. If you have doubt when you are praying, it's not prayer of it. You must believe that this you are saying will happen. Then verse 24, I tell you now, you can pray for anything. And if you believe that you have received it, you will have It's all yours. Say, if you speak, it will happen. But condition, don't have doubt. If you believe that it will happen, don't have doubt. If you believe that it happened, it will. Anything. So in prayer, the same thing. When you are praying, prayer, when you are praying in prayer and talking, you should believe that this is going to happen. You say, when you are done, believe you have received it, it's done. Then you have it. So, but how does faith come now? What helps, what makes you believe that it's going to happen? Romans 10, 17. So then faith, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Faith coming by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Faith for prayer comes by hearing God too. You see, for me to believe that's going to happen, I must have had God on it. If I don't hear God on it, push it, no faith is coming. You know, you use, you use scripture to interpret scripture. You use scripture to interpret scripture. If you, you say, don't have doubt. Okay, so how am I not going to have that? Then I must have faith. And they said, the way faith comes is from hearing God, not from reading. I meet, I meet a lot of Christians and they say, Pastor, I have faith for this. Question, what word did you receive from God? None. Okay, what, what even scripture did God give you? None. Oh, but you have faith, yes. Where did it come from? Pastor, I'm praying for him. Oh, I have faith to be healed. What did God tell you? Nothing. What scripture do you have? Nothing. So where did this faith come from? You see what, 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 what people do? And then when they fell, they blame God. Ah, but I had faith and it didn't work. But they never took time to study what faith is and how it works. Even how to use it, how to manifest it. They never took time to study it. It's all this imagination, you know, this uh, copying people. Romans 10, 17. So then faith coming by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's how it comes. It doesn't come any other way. It doesn't come by prayer. It comes by hearing. Hearing, 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 hearing by the word of God. And not hearing with physical ear. Because Jesus said, he that has ear to hear, let him hear. So faith comes in communion with the Holy Spirit. Exactly what we started to say. He gives you personal rhema on that issue. He will always do that. Oh my God. 
God wants to answer your prayer. You can't believe how he wants to. He really, he loves you so much. God wants all his children to prosper. He wants us to be in health. He, he gave his son for us. He would, he would give you. I went to see his sister. She was so bad. She finished. She was like rope. And she had this, some of these uh, DNA stuff that, terrible, terrible. I saw her, I couldn't believe my eyes. I asked her one question. I said, what did God tell you? She said, well, Pastor, God spoke to me. This is the scripture she gave me. I said, we're done now. Answer has come. I said, let's thank God and go away. Don't have to ask him. He has spoken. Am I going to improve on it? So I, 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 I heard her hand. We prayed and thanked God. Within which she was normal. Because <laughs> God has spoken. God said, yeah, this is it. And that's what God will perform. That thing God said is your answer. That's, what, that's how faith comes. Because you've had, you've had God. It comes from hearing. It comes from hearing. You must hear it. The Holy Spirit must reveal it to you. Brethren, the one in the, this, in the Bible, the Spirit of God will come and take this thing in the Bible. And make it come into it. Abide. It has to come. It has to, you must hear it. The gateway to it, you must hear for it to enter. Luke 24, 45. Then opened he their understanding, that they might understand the scripture. That's what the Spirit of God does. He opens your understanding. When you start communing with him about the situation, about scriptures, and say, Lord, I need to hear your understanding. And you start studying his scripture about it. And you start studying, you are asking him to open your eyes. Lord, I need to hear you. This word is in the Bible. Whether I want it to come into me, I need to hear it. I need to, the thing to come alive. Open my eyes, I need to. He will. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scripture. And he said unto them, thus is written now. Thus is behoof Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead. Before then, they didn't understand it. But he spoke to them. They didn't understand. Acts 16, 14. One of them was Lydia from Theatara, a merchant of expensive purple cloth, who worshipped God. Who worshipped God. As she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart. She was listening. She wanted to know. And she accepted what Paul was saying. This is exactly what Jesus said now. In John 15, 17. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you. A word you have not heard cannot abide in you. It cannot. And you must hear it for it to get it to you. So the word that works for us, that builds faith in a Christian, is the one the Holy Spirit has quickened from the scripture that you're studying. That's the one that works for you. That's the one that becomes reality for you. The one in the book is not the one that is not inside of you. It's the one that has been quickened and you hear it and then you understand it that this is a reality. That's what, when you go to God in prayer with it, faith is there. You don't, you don't work for faith. You don't struggle for it. There's no struggle. There's nothing like that. And the way to achieve this for prayer is that you need to start with finding a scripture that addresses your issue and start meditating on it. 
Start meditating on it until it breaks into you. There's always until. Because in us, it's all manner of fear, doubt, all the things we have garbages and baggages in our heart. They're always there. So Peter put it this way, 2 Peter 1.19. Because of that experience we have, even greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophet, you must pay close attention to what they wrote. For their words are like a lamp shining in a dark place. All our hearts, as we live our lives, we keep dragging in stuff from here. Some will hear from TV, internet, friends, you know, tell you stories, and the devil is good at it. Tell you stories that frighten you, this happened to this person. He brings all sorts of stuff to attack our mind. So you must pay close attention to what they wrote, for their words are like a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns, until it breaks through that resisting thing in our heart. Until the day dawns and Christ, the morning star, shines in your heart, the word. And above all, you must realize that no prophecy in the scripture ever came from prophets' own understanding or from human initiative. This is the word of God. And then John 8 at once said, Then Jesus said to the Jews which have believed on him, talking to we believers, if you continue in my word, if you keep focusing on that which is written, then are you my disciples? And that's when you shall know the truth. That's when the revelation comes to you. And the truth shall now make you free. Second Peter, we read it. We read Second Peter 1.19. Now, we talked about prayer of faith, how it comes. It comes from scripture. So we, for you to really pray successfully, you need to have scripture. You need to go back to that which is written. Peter said, don't neglect that which they wrote. Find scripture that addresses your issue. And start praying that God will open your eyes. You need to hear it. And then as you meditate on it day and night, there's come the point where, bam, the thing will just like, wow, this is true. Absolutely true. Faith comes by hearing. So the purpose of prayer then is to establish, there are three purposes that I want to share with us here. The purpose of prayer. Number one is um, for the glory of God. For the glory of God. For God's glory. And God is, God's glory is not that God is showing off, you know, look, I'm, I'm going, no, no, no. God is revealing himself. Of course, his revelation is glorious. So he's revealing himself. Why? So that people will believe in him and know that God is. He that comes to God must believe that God is. Many people don't believe. So God does things so that people will know that God is and so, so that people will believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. That's part of the reason he answers prayer. That's part of the reason. So Isaiah 41, 19, said, I will plant in the wilderness the cedar, the shita tree, and the miato, and the oil tree. I will set in the desert the fir tree, and the pine, and the box tree together. These are places where you can't plant anything. God said, I'm going to do things that is not usual. Verse 20, that they may see, and know, and consider, and understand together that the hand of the Lord had done this. 
If I'm going to do these unusual things that it's not possible for men to do. So they will see, know, and consider, and understand together that the hand of the Lord may do this, and that the Holy One of Israel had created it. That's one of the purposes why God would do something in answer to prayer. John 20, 30 says, And truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written. Why? That you may believe that Jesus is the Son, is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. So we'll go to God and say, Lord, for your glory. God say, yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah, I'll do this for my glory. For your glory. God says, sure, I'll do that. For my glory. So that they will know that God is. So the heathens will know that God is. Another purpose of answering prayer is God wants our joy to be full. <laughs> Many Christians forget that God is their father. And God desires us to have fullness of joy. God doesn't want us to live in misery. Who among us have children want them to live in misery? No. God says, I've given you all things richly to enjoy. God wants us to enjoy life. He says, I'll do it for you so your joy will be full. I want to see my children full of joy, you know, enjoying themselves, enjoying the life I gave them to enjoy. It's religion that takes away your joy. It's not God. If you are in Christ, you should be full of joy. The Bible says rejoice always. I say again rejoice. You should be excited about life. Once you get into religion, all this religious spirit overpower you, you start acting funny. No more, you won't do nothing. You can't, can't laugh, nothing. Is that what makes God love you? Is that, what, is that what makes God give you anything? You start looking like you drank a lemon juice. Instead of being excited, full of joy. And I mean, if, I'm, if I'm not a Christian and I see some faces who are Christians, I will never be a Christian. Because if you're not enjoying what you have, why must I join you? <laughs> why must I join you? God says, I'll answer your prayer so your joy will be full. I want you to testify. Tell the world about me. I want you to be excited, be happy. Enjoy yourself. You are my children. John 16, 24. He that have you ask nothing in my name. Ask why? You shall receive. Why? That your joy may be full. That's why. That's the reason. Did you see any other reason he gave you? I want your joy to be full. I want to. There is, man, there's nothing as exciting as seeing your prayer answered. It's such a marvelous time. Such a marvelous experience to see God do stuff. Man, it's like, see, it's, even as I was preparing this thing, I sat here for hours. I said, let me go. Let me go and rest. Immediately I go and say, Lord, I need to grab some sleep. Do you know I slept off immediately? I just, I just said, Lord, I need some sleep. I need to sleep a little while. I slept off immediately. It was when I woke up, even that, I smiled. I came and said, Lord, thank you. Wow. <laughs> you gave me sleep. Amazing. Because I said, Lord, I need to sleep. I just need and it's just like, just like that. So when God answers our prayer, man, it, it, it's, 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 you're ecstatic. You're so happy. And God says, yeah, you're my kid. I want you to be happy. I want to give you more. <laughs> I'll give you more. We don't think like that. 
Because religion has taught us that God is so harsh, he's not doing none of that things. He wants you to be happy. He will give it to you. He's a good father. He's a loving father. He's a faithful father. Nobody loves you in this world more than God. Nobody. Nobody cares about you more than God. Nobody wants to do you good more than nobody. Nobody anywhere. I don't care who that person is. Number three, the reason he answers prayer is to establish his will on earth. To execute his plans for us, for a people, and for nations. Ephesians 1.11. In, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined, predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. God does everything according to his own will. Everything. Everything. If he gets outside his will, he's not in it. That's why the Bible says he worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. So whatever he will give you to make you joyful is what is within his will for you. Whatever I will do to glorify his name is what is within his will for you or for a nation, for a people, a family. Matthew 16, the, the, the Lord Jesus said, that kingdom come, that will be done on earth as it's in heaven. That's what prayer is for. And we say, it's first John 5, 14, this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. It's, it's, this is what prayer is about. It's not established human will. It's not established human will. It's to establish divine will. That's when, if you want the Holy Spirit to lead you, you have to be interested in Him revealing His will to you. So prayer is not to go and instruct God what to do, counsel Him. You know, some people go there and instruct God. Don't ever. The longest day you live, never go to God and talk to him about the devil. Don't try stuff like that. Never ever go to God and say the devil did. Don't do stuff like that. Look, we, we don't understand that when we talk about works of Satan, we're worshiping him without knowing. Because worship is to talk about the works of God now. What God does. You go and talk about works of Satan, you're worshiping devil right before. You, are you kidding me? Don't do stuff like that. Never try it. In Psalm 135, verse 6, whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and on earth. So you don't go there and tell him what to do. You don't give him advice. Look at Isaiah 40, 30. Some people say, I'll move the hand of God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you must be something else. Moving the hand of God. So you move it. You're the one controlling his hand anywhere you like. Now. So all this ignorant stuff we talk about. That's the way the hands of God moves on your behalf. But it's not the way we think it does. He moves to do his will. If you pray in agreement with his will, he moves to do it. But it's not something you wake up and say, ah, I'm going to move the hand of God. Who born you? Isaiah 40, 13. Who had directed the spirit of the Lord or being his counselor had taught him? Who? You don't go to pray to teach him, counsel him. With whom took he counsel? And who instructed him and taught him in the path of judgment and taught him knowledge 
and showed to him the way of understanding. Say, behold, the nations are as a drop of a bucket. A drop of a bucket. And accounted as a small dust of the balance. All the nations, all this noise, all this powerful, all the nations. The Spirit of God said, if you put them in a balance, they are like a small speck of dust. They don't weigh anything before God. So who can come and be counseling God? You know, <laughs> Moses, Moses tried. He was tell, telling God about Israel. He said, if you destroy these people now, people will say, oh, you brought them here. You are not able to keep them. God said, okay, I hear you. All of them died. All of them died in that wilderness. Exactly what God said, Moses, he did it. All of them, that generation died there. And God raised a new generation that went into the promised land. God said to Moses, I'm going to wipe this out. Moses said, no, if you do that, I, you know, they will say, I said, God doesn't care what you say. He's made up his plan before you were born. But all of them died. All, not one of them escaped. They all died. Only two people that believed God. You don't cancel God or anything. Go and be giving him counsel. So let's talk about making our request to God in prayer. We need to be specific when we're making our request. So when you see the answer, you will know it. Philippians 4, 6. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. So you say, be careful for nothing. Be careful for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. So what we are supposed to be making is our request, definite request. You remember in Luke chapter 18 from verse 35, then it happened as he was coming near Jericho, that a certain blind man sat by the road begging, and hearing a multitude passing by, he asked what it meant. So they told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. He cried out saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. God is a God of all mercies. So he was asking for mercy. Which one? Then those who went before warned him that he should be quiet. But he cried out the more, son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still, commanded him to be brought to him. And when he had come near, he asked him, saying, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus knew he was blind. He knew, because it's not up to God to decide what your request. You come make the request. I meet people. They want children. I say, what do you want? I say, Pastor, anyone God gives me, I say, stop it. Just go. You're not ready yet. God will decide. It's your request you make known to him. God will decide your request for you. This man was stuck blind. Jesus said, okay, what do you want me to do for you? Because you decided. He said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. Now it's definite. Then Jesus said unto him, receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. That's what he wanted. That's what he he's made it clear and got it. And immediately 
he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God. You see, he brought glory to God, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. You see, why God answers prayer is he brings glory to him. He reveals who he is. So, number two is, after, number one is make the request. Number two is state your case and give reasons to God why he has to act on your, for you. Isaiah 41, 21, produce your cause. Said the Lord, bring forth your strong reasons, said the king of Judah. When you go to God, make your case. Tell God why this has to happen. Because the Bible says do that. In Isaiah 43, 26, let us review the situation together and you can present your case to prove your innocence. You know, when Jesus prayed, that lost prayer, he said, the reason I say for that is the kingdom. The kingdom the, for that is the kingdom, the power and the glory. He was giving God the reasons. For that is the kingdom. For that is the power. The, for that is the glory. Your best reason is what God told you. It can't be better than that. That's why you must hear from God. You bring that reason to him. Man, you're good. You're good. You're good. Man, you're very, very good. You're really good, man. You know, you have to bring the word of God to him. What other reason will you bring to him? Is it your wisdom that you bring to him? No. You bring his wisdom to him. You bring his word to him. You say, Lord, this is what you said in your word. This is why I'm expecting this to happen. And Moses went to the Lord and brought his powerful reason. His reason was what God was telling him. He just woke up one day and started talking to God. Let's see that. He said, I started three twelve. One day Moses said to the Lord, You have been telling me, you see, you've been talking to me, Lord. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't dream this up. You've been telling me, take these people up to the promised land. You've been telling me this. This is what communion I've been having with you. I had it from you. But you haven't told me who will be sent with me. You have told me I know you by name, and I look favorably on you. If it is true, then that you look favorably on me. Let me know your ways now so I may understand you more fully. Continue to enjoy your favor. And remember that this nation is your own people. You <laughs> see, he's, he's making his case. He said, Lord, you want, he told me to take them. You haven't told me he's going with me. You said you have favor, I'm favorable before you. Okay, show me your ways now. And remember that these are your own people. The Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you Rest. Everything will be fine for you. Moses said, then Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, Moses said, I'm not talking about me, I'm talking about us. If you don't go personally with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me and on me and your people if you don't go with us? Making his case. For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all other people on the earth. Powerful case he made here. Say, these are your people. You will never leave us. You will never forsake us. Your presence makes all the difference. This is the sheep of your pasture. And God said, the, the Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed do what you have asked for. I look favorably on you and I know you by name. I'm going to do this. Because you come to me with my word. 
You brought it to me. You made a case. You know, when the disciples prayed, they were telling God what he said in Acts chapter 4, 23. And being let go, they went to their own companies and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth. And they see, they didn't say, God, see what the devil is doing. The devil is attacking us. No. You are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. 25. By, who by the mouth of your servant David have said. See, they started telling God what he said. This is what you said. This is what you said. Why did the hidden rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand. The rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his child. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. You plan, this is your plan being fulfilled. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servant that with all boldness they may speak your word, not your word, by stretching out your hand to heal and to signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaking. God shook up the whole place. I don't know how many minutes this prayer took. But it wasn't an all-night prayer. Read it for yourself. It didn't take how many minutes? But God descended because they made their case. And God said, yeah, that's my word. And God sent them to preach the gospel anyway. He said, Jesus said to them, you go preach this gospel. So God was obligated now to help them. See how prayer works? Very easily. If we do it the Bible way. The number five point we need to make is that successful prayer starts from seizing from worries. Worries and faith are two opposite things. They're not the same at all. They are not even of the same coin. So in Philippians 4, 6, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. I just want to make sure that I'm still within my time. Let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, quit past it all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So the first point is be careful for nothing. If you're worrying, forget about prayer. It won't work. It won't work. It's not going to work. Because worrying means you don't trust God. Worrying means you are planning what to do. Worry means honestly, don't trust God at all. Because when you faith and worry are positive, if you trust God, you believe God is God, there's no need to worry. And verse 7 is a major way the Holy Spirit guides us in all affairs of life, even when you pray. That's where you know, because some people are confused. They say, When do I stop praying? Let, me, let, let the scripture tell us. Verse 7 of that Philippians 4, verse 7. And the peace of God, quit passing all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. This is how God guides every Christian on every daily basis. This is how he guides you in the market, who to marry. This peace of God, this, 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 this. This here is the key. Key right here is the key of guidance. Miss it here. 
is the peace of God, not the peace of men. It doesn't come from your wisdom or what you see, what you don't see. It's the peace the Holy Spirit puts in you that assures you that there is a right thing to do. Your head can go crazy, usually, because your head knows nothing about what God is doing. So normally, normally it's a giving, it's a standard to go crazy. But inside of you, you have this peace of God that passes understanding. You can't explain it. You can't put any peace. Everything. When my wife prayed, she, 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 she was asking God to give her somebody that will help her to make heaven to know God. That's what she was fasting and praying for. They don't pray this kind of prayer these days. They want IT, IT manager. IT manager. Nobody wants a pastor. If it's not, I can't even get the wife to marry again. I thank God for the one he gave me. She was praying. Her God will give her. Somebody will make her to make her. When I came, I didn't look. I was a rank hidden. I was a devil's evangelist. Serving in his services. I, who puts it? I hated being a pastor. Don't want to be a pastor. Don't want to hear it. But God knew. And God told them, said, that man is a pastor. That man is a pastor. I even gave her the date that he make me a pastor. When I was in rebellion, God said, this is a pastor. This is the date I make him a pastor. You ask for this, I give it to you. You see, this is what brings this peace. And you know that you heard from God. You have the peace. That's it. And the very date I was made a pastor was the very date God gave her. She came to me and said, honey, remember what I told you when you were fighting me, telling me never to mention pastor to you. He said, what's the test date? I told her, he says, is it not the day God gave me? Brilliant. Let's walk with the Spirit of God. He knows everything. You don't know nothing. You, you, my God, you have no, you don't know anything. Zero. Don't put yourself in trouble and regret if I had known. Peace of God guides you in everything. She had that peace. It was settled because she's had faith had come. She knew this man's a pastor. The man himself didn't know. I was traveling all over, make, doing business. I love flying business class. I would go to Taiwan. In fact, I still had some deposit of factory I wanted to buy in Taiwan. I would go to India, fly all over Europe. 570 something naira. I would go with um, what they call excursion tickets, fly all over Europe. Man, I love it. Are you kidding me? I love, are you kidding? I love it. Traveling, you know, top business. Are you oh, I love it. But God said to her, don't worry about what he's doing. <laughs> he's a pastor. Why? The heart of the king is in his hand. He'll turn it where he wants it. God is powerful. Unless his hand is not on you, he can't can do anything. So this piece, he had it. So when do I stop praying? When you have this peace now, when you have, when you have had him, when, you, when he speaks to you, when you have had the, the assurance of this peace, you know that if you lose the anointing to pray, if you want to pray, you have the desire. You know that, yeah, it's done. It's done. You, have, you lose that inspiration. The Spirit of God says, done now. That peace, that peace, if you want to do anything, look inside for that peace. It will garrison your heart. It will guard your heart. It, if it's not there, don't. Oh, don't. And pray until it's there. You say, when do I stop, stop praying? Until that peace takes over your inside. Don't, don't copy somebody. 
you have your experience with God until that peace takes over. And then when it takes over, the next thing you realize is you lose the inspiration to pray about it. When you went to pray about it, that's not. And let me say something here. Anything you are doing struggling, it's not the Holy Spirit. Stop it. Just stop. If you are struggling, just stop it, please. If, you are, if the Holy Spirit will flourish in it. If you are praying under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, you just be flo- flo- it's like floating. You be flo- it's because it's not your power. He's inspiring it. He's just pra- 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 pra. And he can, if you make him pray for 30 minutes, stop. That's it. When he stops, stop. Don't go beyond that. Because the next thing is you are struggling, looking at time. Then you look at time some more. That's flesh. You profit with nothing. So the, 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 the peace of God, look at it. Uh, Luke, Luke 1, 79. To give light. To give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of peace, into the shadow of death, to guide us to the path of peace. To give light. So when the light comes, <laughs> it comes into your heart and then shines into your heart. The next thing it does is guides you in the path of peace. When revelation comes, it brings understanding, it brings peace. Psalm 119, The entrance of that word gives us light. See? Give light to those who sit in darkness. Revelation gives light. It, it gives it understanding unto the simple. So if, if I want to deal with you, and God gives me understanding that, yes, I want you to do that, the next thing I get is that peace that garrisons my heart. I can't, put, I, can't, I can't explain it, but I know. But, and once... You know, some things you want to do, you say, I, can't, I don't get this, but I don't have peace about this. Don't do it. Run for their life. Don't try it. <laughs> I'm telling you now, don't. We always have this in there. I, I, I don't have peace. I don't know. Something, there's something about this person. I'm not comfortable with him. You don't have peace. So why are you doing there? What are you doing there? He said, I'll guide you in the path of peace. You don't have it. They are asking people, will lie or will lie not. Why do you, what, what do they know about it? They are likely to give you advice from their eyes. They are not going to the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, I want to confirm this. I don't have peace. Is that you? So that's how you know when to stop praying. It's when the peace of God settles. Again, like I said, your head will go here where? Because it doesn't see any change. <laughs> Why are you bothered about it? It doesn't do anything anyway. But inside of you, in your spirit you have peace. And what follows naturally is thanksgiving. What follows naturally is thanksgiving. I want to talk about uh, I think I have three more minutes and Paul will come and lead us in prayer. I want to talk about casting your cares upon the Lord. It's a wonderful way to get rid of all your problems cheaply. Very wonderful way to just just cast it upon the Lord and go away. It takes over from there. Matthew 11 to 28. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest unto your soul. Peace! Rest! Stop laboring. Give it to me. For my yoke is easy, my body is light. He just says, trust me, that's all. I want to read 
First Peter 5.7 in JB, Jerusalem Bible. It's amazing. Can you put it up there? First Peter 5.7, JB, Jerusalem Bible. Not, not, not at JB, Jerusalem. It's one line. It says, unload all your worries unto him, since he's looking after you. Unload it unto him. That Jerusalem Bible. Unload it. All your worries unto him. So he's looking after it. Then, 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 then um, Amplified, which we put up. This one is before Amplified. Amplified says, cast the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once for all, on him, for he cares for you. Affectionately, cares about you, watchfully. How do you know that you have cast it upon him? Listen to me. Let's understand this. When you go to God and say, Lord, no, I can't handle this. You, I'm casting it upon you. You take it over and handle it. I'm done. If you come back and you still think about it, you have not cast it. You still have it. So what you do? Go back and say, Lord, I still have it. Because I still, it still bothers me, so I want to do it again. Tell Lord, okay, I want to, I'm casting it now to your hand once and for all. I don't, I don't take over. The, 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 the time you know you have successfully dumped it on him, it's when you stop worrying about it. Stop talking about it. Then you don't have it. And that's when it works. But if you're still talking about it, you can't resist, you start tapping, tap, tap, tap. You, you have it. It's not going to work. You go back and do it. Look, my mentor taught this. He said, he said I do it several times. He said, I do it. I come back, I say, no, I, I still have it. No, 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 I still have it. I, say, I go back, I say, Lord, I still have it because I still, it still bother me. So I want to dump it. I want to dump it on you. I want to, A, B, C, D, I can't handle it. I hand it over to you in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you because you can handle it. He said, I go back. He said, I keep doing that until I, I, I don't bother about it. As long as you're worrying, you have it. He doesn't have it. So you, you have not cast it upon him, so you can't handle, he's not going to handle it. But the time you say, you got it, and the devil will come and remind you, say, no, I don't have a worry. He has it. I can have, you can handle it, devil. You can handle it. If you have a problem with it, that's your problem. The last thing I want to say is that uh, when you want to pray, you need to, need, you need to forgive people. You need to learn to forgive people. You must forgive. Walk in forgiveness. If you want your prayers answers, you must forgive. Jesus taught us, he said, when you stand praying, in Mark eleven twenty five, when you stand praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive you. You know, some people get confused there. They say, well, forgiveness is by grace. Absolutely. Who said it's not? Who said it's not? But when you are holding grudge, listen to me, church. When you are holding grudge and you willingly hold grudge, you are insulting the spirit of grace. Because you are rejecting what grace came to do. Grace, grace came to do to deliver you from iniquity. When you are holding grudge willingly, you are insulting the, the you are looking down the work of grace. Grace does not give you cover to do what you like. Don't give you cover. Yeah, forgiveness is grace and blood of Jesus. Absolutely. Look at what the scripture says. 
Romans 6, 1, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He said, God forbid, it's abomination. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer in it? You can't continue willfully to be doing evil because there's grace. You are now, you are now abusing the privilege that God gave you. It won't work. Abuse of grace does not work. It won't work for you. Jude 1 4. For there are certain. Um, sorry. For there are certain. Sorry. Sorry, I need to go. My, I don't know how this phone call came to me here now. Jude 1, 4. Yeah. For there are certain men crept in on our words who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of God into lasciviousness, denying the only Lord God, the Lord Jesus. They turned the grace of God into lasciviousness. You know what lasciviousness means? Lasciviousness means unbridled, shameful, lewdness. You know, there's a difference. When you are doing something, you are hiding it, you are shameful. When you are lascivious, you are no more shameful. You do it in public. That's what licentiousness means. Licentiousness means you do it shamelessly. You say they turn the grace of God as excuse to live licentious life. You can't, because of grace, hold resentment against somebody. You cannot. You don't have to. Jesus said, hey, forgive him. Forgive him. And then, and then the, the book of James tells us straight away what happens if we don't. James 2.12. So whatever you say or when, so whatever you say or whatever you do, remember that you will be judged by the law that sets you free. There will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. So we can't be, we can't be licentious, thinking because you are saved by grace, so you cannot be holding grudge at will, doing what you like at will. And Jesus said, no, you forgive. Say to Jesus, I'm not forgiving. That is abusing, abusing the spirit of grace that came to save you from that. That's rejecting the work of grace that brought us salvation from all of that. Praise the Lord. Let us pray. And now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen.